Hello and welcome to the Riding Unicorns podcast. This is the podcast all about growth startups. I'm James Pringle. I'm a technology entrepreneur and investor and founder of Pringle Capital. My co-host is Hector Mason. Hector is a partner at B2B Investor Episode 1 Ventures. This podcast is all about uncovering what it takes to build a unicorn business. We speak to some of the best founders and investors, many from unicorn companies, and ask them about their journey, operational insight, tips, lessons, stories, anything that can help uncover what it takes to build a high growth business. This week's episode is with Julie Chen from sustainable bamboo tissue product company, The Cheeky Panda. Many of you may know The Cheeky Panda as they have been very successful raising funds via crowdfunding. In this episode, we cover brand, product, market research, awards, and Julie's big vision for the company. Let's get started. Hi, Julie. Welcome to Riding Unicorns. Hi, James. Hi, Hector. Thank you for inviting me. It's our pleasure. So, Julie, maybe we could start by just getting uh, a description of what the Cheeky Panda is in your own words. Yeah, so the Cheeky Panda produces eco-friendly tissue paper, biodegradable wipes from bamboo, which is the world's fastest growing plant. We have toilet paper, facial tissue, kitchen rolls, baby wipes, baby nappies. They they are kind of biodegradable, plastic free. That's what we do. Can you bust this myth? Are bamboo products that we buy, like you know, socks or paper or whatever it is, are they viscose? I once read that viscose is a bamboo byproduct or derivative or something like that. So what's that situation? The material to make tissue and material to make clothing are quite different. So the material to make tissue is kind of purely fiber. There's nothing else in it. Whereas the material to make clothing need to be mixed up with other material in order to create like fabric for clothing. That's why it's kind of quite different. In tissue, we don't use like vectors or anything like that. That makes very good sense because clothes made of tissue material would not be effective at all. And Julie, you're you're moving on to more serious topics. Your career has been really interesting and you've you moved from manufacturing and supply chain logistics jobs to starting a consumer brand. So I'm just interested to hear what led you down that route? What inspired you to, to start the Cheeky Panda? I did study brand when I was in Japan over 15 years ago as, as part of my, my university course. I was studying brands and I studied Disney, Nike, um, so some of the best brands in the world. And I yeah, I, I always lo- wanted to create a brand because I understand I like the, the what brand can bring to people and what it means to people. So that's kind of always in my mind. I, I'd like to do something like I'd like to create a brand. And while I was working, I worked for uh, in supply chain, global supply chain, so moving products from one country to the other. And that's where I learned all the manufacturing. I learned all the global supply chain. I use these skills and this knowledge every day in Cheeky Panda because we're moving goods around all over the world, from Asia to UK to America to the Middle East. Um, yes, yeah, so so Cheeky Panda is, is quite heavily about global supply chain as well. So that's kind of how my experience and my knowledge much together to to contribute to the creation of the cheeky panda yeah it's interesting you mentioned the supply chain and the brand there what came first was it the brand or the the product 
the the idea come first. So while I grew up in China, we use bamboo products quite a lot, and I always know that it's it grows very quick. It's very friendly material. Um, it's widely used in in China as well, but in here, um, it's not really well known the benefit of it. When I first introduced the cheeky panda toilet paper to people, I often get asked, "Is that very hard?" Uh, <laughs> but now a lot of more people are aware of uh, bamboo and how soft it is, and people wear bamboo socks, bamboo clothing. They know the benefit of it, so less people asking this question now. But certainly over six years ago, it was quite the awareness was very low. So I had I had this idea. Um, I I was building my my career and my uh, build my work experience in global supply chain, and then also the of uh, manufacturing uh, with my previous work experience and building a brand is kind of always in my mind and had this idea of having kind of a brand that that's have a range of products that's using bamboo so that that's kind of an idea I have um, but it wasn't until back in end of 2015 I went back to China with my partner to visit my parents and we then kind of I decided to take this opportunity to explore this idea so we went to visit a tissue factory where we saw there are lots and lots of the, the region is in west part of China and they are like the city is, was surrounded by bamboo and we took like a six hour car journey to a factory to to in, in the middle of mountain to see a factory and all the way was bamboo and what we were told is that the bamboo layer it's only 10% used, 90% was surplus, and the factory used bamboo because it's near sourcing, they don't have to import pulps from overseas, uh, it's cheaper for them to produce locally and dis- distribute locally. But they haven't really realized that actually it's a material that could solve a very big issue, which is deforestation. And so at that point, we were thinking, why, why do we cut on trees that take 30 years to grow, and we have this material, uh, so much of it, and we're not using it. That's when I decided, my, my partner and I decided that we have to launch this business. It, it's going to be uh, potentially resolve a very, very big problem we have. And yeah, that's when it all started. That is, so, so this is partly news to me, I admit. I mean, this is, it, it's amazing, right? So are there any downsides to bamboo? Is it more expensive or, or why why is it taken until now for it to for it to take off and for it to hit the mainstream? Yeah, like I said, awareness was really low. Um, bamboo is not something that grows like in, in, in abundance in the West. So the awareness and the benefit of it is quite low. But actually, it grows very fast. When you have some time, you can actually watch it grow. It grows up to 90 centimeters a day. Oh my God, we need to get some of these like in our office or something. That, that, I just want to sit and watch bamboo. That sounds meditative. It's not a material that we know that grow in abundance in the West. And that's why the, the awareness was quite low. And I've been hearing, before I even launched the Japan, I've been hearing all the big tissue companies talking about alternative material, like a more sustainable material, but I never really see them launch anything. <laughs> so it's, it is a bit surprising why they don't just do it. And sometimes it does also take smaller company more innovative company and entrepreneurs to lead a change 
it's super interesting that and we can, can certainly attest to to that fact in in what we see in in our jobs day to day so what have been some of the biggest challenges with building cheeky panda so far going from zero to one and, and then from one to where you are today what what have been the hardest things uh, we're growing really fast we're growing as fast as bamboo and <laughs> as a result of this we have yeah they are obviously business challenges to grow so fast then we need to uh, retain the talent we lost talent as well and yeah, we had supply challenges as well um, last year, which <laughs> um, I think everyone, quite a lot of business suffered the supply challenges uh, in consumer goods industry. If the fast growth, uh, a fast pace of this business really bring quite a bit of challenges, but we, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy the challenge and resolve the problem. And thanks to our team and thanks for people who, our customers who believe in us and we are kind of get through these challenges and continue to grow. Do you think it's a mindset thing of a founder that good founders are able to take these challenges on in the face of adversity still come out on top? What's your attitude to these problems? You know, no one saw global supply chain issues cropping up last year, right? So yes, while some people might kind of fold over and give up what was your reaction i think it's the the vision of the business really or i truly believe in the cheeky panda can be a household household name one day and i truly believe that this is a brand that's gonna cut through and become a leading brand in a sustainable space it's the belief and the vision that i communicate to my team and my team believe in my vision as well, and we just get through it together. If the founder believes in it, the team believes in it, and the customer believe, will believe in it, and the, the investors will believe in it, and, and then we all kind of work towards the same goal, and every day we, we feel like we are making a difference. We inspire a, a positive change, So and the difficulties actually... And I think back, it's actually the challenges are kind of part of the process that is making the business interesting. You got, it sounds like you got your supply chain set up and you had your vision and that's really served you well. But I was wondering, where have you had the most success? Has it been D to C or have you gone through retail and how has that experience been kind of working with retailers? So we are omni-channel, um, that means we not only just D2C, but we also sell it in retailers. We are selling in Waitrose, we're selling on Ocado, uh, we sell it in Whole Foods Market, Planet Organic, and lots and lots of independent stores across the country. We also sell it in Monoprix in France, Heat in Germany, so like overseas supermarkets as well, Carrefour in Dubai, for example. And we also sell it in B2B, like supply toilet paper to buildings and catering in the industry, restaurants. Um, we have bamboo paper stores. So we are really omni-channel. So during the pandemic, when one channel, for example, buildings really closed down, locked down, everyone working from home, then the online sales pick up. So we kind of the um, omni-channel approach. It, it helps kind of the risk in some way. Because if one channel um, kind of suffers, the other channel actually pick up. So yeah, so the omni channel strategy works really well for us. And Julie, 
you've had a lot of success with crowdfunding and I saw you, you've done quite a few rounds on crowdfunding sites. And so I wonder what's your approach to crowdfunding? Uh, what, why have you taken this route and, and why do you think it's worked so well for you so far? I think it, it works really well because in, in the early stage, we were encouraged to go to like Dragon's Den and things. <laughs> and very, yeah, with our valuation that we pursue crowdfunding and if we were to go back to Dragon's Den, I don't think we're probably going to end up well with the valuation. But with crowdfunding is that we got not just got one or two dragons, which could be helpful, but we got like a, a few hundred, now a few thousand investors that works in different sectors so there are people working in amazon for example that could give us advice there are people working in supply chain for example that could give us help and there are people working in various industries people working we see funds that could help us as well so it's that the big community that we are able to build with crowdfunding i think the value is is that invaluable and also they are royal customers they are people who go out and tell their friends about Cheeky Panda. So this is, is this kind of community we are building with our investors, which I think is a real value of crowdfunding. That's really interesting. I, I just want to dig in on this a little bit because crowdfunding is something that I really love, but I don't feel like the industry has done as well as it should have done. I think it's beginning to pick up. But I, I don't think they've done a good job of, of showing founders how beneficial a crowd raise can be to startups and it sounds like you're actually a company and a, a founder who's really seen benefits from from the crowd so i wonder you did your raise and then these people the amazon person the the vc the pe person supply chain people did they literally did they seek you out and say look i'm now an investor i've put like you know, 100 quid or whatever into your company did they seek you out and offer the help or did were you strategic in kind of drawing that those skills out of your investors? Yeah, so we send updates quite regularly to our investor mailing list. Um, so for example, there's a new product launch, for example, we send a, a questionnaire to our investors and they will provide like their real genuine feedback. And also, for example, another example is that we had the Waitrose launch and they, our investors will be the first one who go to Waitrose and to pick up the products and tell their friends about it. So we do engage with our investors through mailing list, through like a Cedars platform. So that works really well for us to build a business to this stage. But I think going forward, we do uh, need institutional investors for the next stage of growth. It sounds like you've done a really good job of kind of leveraging those investors, which is great. You mentioned you've got lots of different products now. Uh, how do you go about adding a new product to the range? Like what sort of market research do you do as part of that discovery process for a new product? Oh, okay. So that, um, <laughs> that is kind of really just done without... It's not how traditionally a brand would launch a product. It's not the, the process how it's been done traditionally. It's more of... Followed by my gut feeling as a, a mother and a user of eco-friendly products. So it, it hasn't been really done in a more kind of process-driven way. But I love innovation and I love to think ways that we could reduce waste, to replace traditional uh, material with more eco-friendly materials and what can we innovate in our everyday life. Um, to make our everyday 
essentials more sustainable. I start with toilet paper and well, that's obvious because a lot of people, like everyone uses it every day. It, it's a big market. And from there, we then start innovating uh, kitchen roll, facial tissue, pocket tissue. So we had then created the whole tissue range. And that has been done quite successfully and selling really well online and in some stores. And then later on, when I was pregnant with my uh, child, uh, he's now three years old. Um, and then I saw a, there wasn't enough biodegradable baby wipes in the market. Um, so that's when I thought I can do better. I can use the most eco-friendly, the most pure ingredient and, and, and 100% biodegradable material to create a baby wipe that is better than other wipes in the market. And that's what I did. So when my child was born, that's what we used, the Cheeky Panda baby wipes. And later on, we innovate nappies as well. So that's kind of product development journey is based around what a household needs in their everyday life. Yeah, it's been a space that's just taken off, right? I mean, I use small at home, which is like diet to consumer through the post box, washing up liquid and stuff. And that's great. And people are just, yeah, it's also a question of awareness. People are going online to look for household items now, whereas not long ago, they probably were doing that far less it's a great point and it's also good timing so running running a business with your husband let's talk about this because we see it from time to time at episode one and um we've invested in in businesses where the founders are, are partners and it just interests me you know how, how do you how do you get comfortable that it's not going to get get in the way of your relationship and how do you keep how do you keep the founder relationship kind of separate and and functional I, I like it because it I have someone that I can brainstorm kind of anytime I like, but not after 10 o'clock because that's when Chris gets really annoyed when I start talking about business. <laughs> so any, uh, uh, anytime before 10, like 10 p.m., <laughs> I can talk to him about business and, and I often have random ideas coming to my mind and I can talk to him about it and we debate about it. We have different opinions as well which we debate, but that's fine. Doesn't really impact our relationship. So I, I like it in a way like, like to have a relationship like who is my soulmate, who understands me really well, but we can also talk about business because business is a very big part of our lives and I can't really image how I can separate the business with personal life now um, because it's such an important part and such a big part. So I actually, we both enjoy this relationship but we also kind of try to play our own strengths and weakness. So I'm more on the branding management side and he's more on the business to business sales, kind of taking a coaching role rather than a management role. So we, we, we separate our responsibilities and that way we don't kind of interfere with, with each other's space. That works quite well. And yeah, and like in weekends we spend time with our child so in weekends we, we don't tend to do come take leo out somewhere so we don't talk a lot about a lot about business in the weekends and unless i have a random idea um <laughs> but it, it has been working well so far and i i enjoy this kind of relationship personally yeah i i do a little bit similar with my partner harriet i'm involved in her company and it's it's quite special to be able to build a business together. 
And I wonder whether you feel whether that involvement has helped you to build a culture that kind of feels a bit like a family as well. How do you guys describe your culture at Cheeky Panda? And do you think of it a bit like a family? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Because like Chris is like a dad and I'm like a mom. <laughs> and we have quite a lot of young, young talents. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a big family, really. And we go out hiking quite a lot. And every month we have a team event. Yeah, it's, it's like a big family. I, I don't know how, I'm not too sure how the team think and, and see us as founder, also a, a couple. But we, yeah, we try to be as professional as we can. And in business, obviously, even things that need to be discussed and debated, we will do that as well. Um, Like we were colleagues, not like we were couples. Yeah, we were like a big, the, the culture is like a big family. And with um, Chris and myself being being more like a more senior in the in a business and there's lots of young talents uh, however now we start adding senior managers which will make it look more professional going forward because we now have people who come from fmcg industry who come from global supply chain lead from very big companies for example that can support our girls um, so the, the senior management team will look a lot more professional than its early stages yeah, that's going to be an exciting period. And and you've already touched on your sort of ambition to be a, a household brand, which you're already becoming. What is your ambition for Cheeky Panda? And, and what, what do you think it can become? You know, if you get into dream mode and, and you know, think 10 years out or 15 years out, what, what does the Cheeky Panda look like? Yeah, so we like to take some market share from Andrex and Cushel <laughs> and hopefully become number three or number four in this category. Um, that's what I like to see. I like to see as a brand that grow up with the younger generations and, and when they have their family and cheap panda is what they choose uh, for their household. Um, so that's my vision for the cheap panda um, in the next 10 years. Yeah, it's exciting. Maybe we could learn a little bit more about unit economics so every company is really different what are you guys trying to do more of what does success look like to you is it range of products or number of sales like what are you trying to expand and grow and what does success look like so in the next three five years is there the goal is to ipo the business long term wise i think bamboo is obviously a very very good material the more people use bamboo the more bamboo can be maintained uh, and be harvested and actually the process is really good for the environment so i think the, the more cheeky panda grows the, the the more benefit you will bring to the environment because what we are doing now is validate the layer is a demand for this product um for bamboo and later on and in a later stage you will innovate in various different areas into our everyday life and use this wonderful material and that will help people grow more bamboo, maybe, and that's good for the environment. Harvest more bamboo, that's better for the environment, and use more bamboo. So to kind of help deliver that uh, COP26 goal, I think this could be a very interesting and very important contributor. Yeah, it's great to hear, Julie. And you've won lots of personal awards. You've won the the 10 ones to watch in the Sunday Times Fast Track 2020. You're in the FT's 30 UK female entrepreneurs to watch. 
I think there were a couple of others, but it will probably take too long to go through them all. So also, you've now been asked to be on Riding Unicorns, which has to be the, the pinnacle of any sensible person's career. So you're a, you're a well-decorated entrepreneur. And um, I, I wonder what these kinds of awards mean to you, if, if anything. Well, it's really unexpected, to be honest. Didn't, seriously, didn't expect any of this to come to me. And I, I'm just trying to create a good brand, uh, manage a good company. And that's all I try to do. I think kind of good things come to you when you're doing uh, good things as well. So, yeah, it's, it's really unexpected. But I'm very happy that I, my effort, my work has been recognized. And I hope that can inspire more people to do something to contribute the, to, to the environment and also hopefully inspire more female entrepreneurs to, to, to do good. And hopefully we can see more female entrepreneurs being recognized. There's no doubt that you are achieving those goals, Julie. So great work, great work on that. It's, you know, being in the public eye as a female entrepreneur doing really great things and raising millions and millions of, of pounds in venture money is surely an inspiration to lots of others so far it hasn't been enough female entrepreneurs and also ethnic minority entrepreneurs to be recognized and i certainly hope that this could change because females we have lots of creativity and lots of good ideas and yeah and there should be more capitals like uh, awarded to female entrepreneurs that could create amazing things for the world um yeah i'd like to see that uh, happen more yeah absolutely well i think that's a great message to leave as a as an ending note so julie thank you so much for telling us your riding unicorn story we always like to end these podcasts with uh, our dinner party guest game so i wonder if you were to have dinner with three people um, who would they be? Okay, so uh, Stephen Ballett is the first one. Hey, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, I think he's a cool guy um, and he's a social media genius as well. We're trying to figure out our social media to have more like influence. <laughs> so yeah, if I have the opportunity, definitely. And then Leonardo DiCaprio. Is the, my second choice. Um, I like him because he's like super cool, eco-friendly guy. Yeah, and the third one is Elon Musk. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julie. Yeah, we've really enjoyed having you on and there's lots of operational insight there. And absolutely, there needs to be more done to support female entrepreneurship and you're a shining light for that absolutely in the market. So it's been great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Julie. That's it for this week. Thanks very much for listening. To stay up to date with the latest episodes, please follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We also have a newsletter called Reading Unicorns, which is another great way to get every episode direct to your inbox. Please tell your friends about it and engage with us on social media. And we'll see you on the next episode.